This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 7, Episode 15, Pearls Before Swine. And let's start it off with some announcements. Announcement number one, as you may or may not know, this episode came out incredibly late. We are very sorry for that. Usually we like to release them in the first half of the day on Tuesday. This one's coming out right before midnight. (laughs) We're really, really sorry about that. We had some massive technical difficulties and (laughs) we had to re-edit the episode from scratch starting this morning. Uh, Thank you so much for your patience. Uh, We're really happy to bring the episode to you. So we'll try to make this words of the GM kind of quick for those of you who've been waiting all day to listen. Our second announcement is that it is episode 15, like you've heard. And for those of you uh, that this is your first series with us, we uh, do a segment at the end of the finale, which is called Post Game Chatter, the first half of which we sit down with the cast and debrief on mic. We talk about the system, the series in general, our thoughts from the last episode, things like that. It's kind of like a words with the GM, but with the entire cast. And the second half of Post Game Chatter is uh, where you guys write in questions for the entire cast and we answer them. We take all the questions we possibly can and we put them forth so you guys can get a little insight into the player's perspective behind the behind the scenes. If you submit a question for post-game chatter, we will answer it. Uh, and the way you submit a question for post-game chatter is you can go to our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, any of our social media and leave us a comment or a message directly or you can email us at essentialnpcspodcast at gmail.com uh, And for those of you who are our Patreon supporters, you can also send in your uh, questions via Patreon. You can also use our contact page on EssentialNPCs.com, our website. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with us. <laughs> we'll check all of them before we record post-game chatter. And so the purpose of this very long explanation slash announcement is that questions for post-game chatter are open. Uh, send us your questions, uh, either from the beginning of the series all the way up until episode 19 drops. If you send in a question right now and then episode 17 rolls around and you think of another question, send that one too. We love kind of having this dialogue with the audience at the end of the episode. So please send in some questions. You've got four weeks. Go. But those are the only announcements we have. So it's time to move into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hi. This Words with the GM is about Series 7, Episode 14, Mystic Insight. A very fun episode. A lot of different things happen. But I think one of the highlights definitely is uh, the return of one of our favorite essential NPCs, uh, a recreation of Grundlefug, the weird mystic in this world known as Grindelfjord. That was very clever. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially one of the most fun scenes that we've recorded thus far. Actually, I wanted to ask you where like you were coming up with all that stuff, like the eyeball with the little hamster legs. (laughs) That was all on the fly. 
So uh, it wasn't an encounter that I had planned, um, but when those guys were showing up below the castle to these like weird secret society archives, I couldn't think of a better head librarian, so to speak, head archivist than uh, Grindelfjord. Um, And the nice part about it was that... um, I didn't have to come up with like a whole lot of stuff, A, because Grindelfjord is kind of already a a being in that they're mysterious. Uh, So I didn't have to answer a lot of questions. I kind of just established him. And if I thought of a cool, fun, weird thing, um, I was like, cool, that happens. Write it down really quick so I don't forget to figure out how that happened later. It's one of the things that I find when I'm running and kind of the the stroke of inspiration, you know, conks me on the noggin uh, that that I really like to do is keep those sort of um, incidental NPCs mysterious so that I can either flesh them out later or it's just like a, a fun thing to have happen. That is a really good trick when running on the running anything on the fly or just in general uh, to like keep an air of mystery about something. The best way to keep something mysterious is for you not even to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And uh, one of the things about that is not knowing the answers is great to keep that mystery alive, but you do have to do the homework afterwards. Um, you you know, write down throws chalk weirdly or um, has pet eyeball. Um, (laughs) And that way you can um, figure out the explanations later. It really comes as like the the flip side of the coin from uh, do your preparation ahead of time to do your homework afterwards. Uh, And it's a trick you can use for small side characters that they pass by or big set pieces too. You can be like, you get to the end of the tomb and I don't know what happens because I didn't think you guys would get this far. So there's a (laughs) lockbox and you don't know how to open it. It's a puzzle box of some kind. Yeah. And the best part about that is I find that it brings the players back to the table better than anything else. We have to find out what's in this puzzle box. They'll say, <laughs> oh no, but what's in the puzzle box? I try to open it again. Smash it with a hammer. Open it. Uh, and uh, and you're just like, oh, it doesn't open. I don't know what's in there. <laughs> yeah, the best part is it makes you look like a diabolical like mastermind. <laughs> they're like, oh my God. Once, they, once you've figured it all out, they're like, that's so crazy. And you're like, yeah, I planned it the whole time. <laughs> I always knew this was going to go exactly this way. <laughs> but uh, I think that's enough uh, Enough words with the GM. Uh, I actually want to know what your favorite part was from Mystic Insight. At the risk of sounding the tiniest bit so- uh, soapboxy, I really love that after Niswa kind of reveals himself as this like misogynist, terrible villain, um, Gersemi, possibly the most capable person in all of Thea, uh, turns around and without hesitation just is like, I'm going to punch him and does. <laughs> uh, I just like love that sort of like a, as a personal um, fulfillment as well as like very much within her character. Um, it, it, the, it all just sort of coalesced into the like, I'm not going to let anybody else do it. This is definitely what happens. Yeah. And it was like this very organic, very fulfilling moment that I just like warms my heart. <laughs> your semi's great. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was near the beginning of the episode, uh, and it was uh, the moment when Matteo confronted Bastion with kind of this air of superiority where he's like, you may remember your friend asked for help, and you totally, completely refused to to answer this call for aid, so in your stead, I've done all the things, and you're a douchebag who only cares about winning at swords. Uh, (laughs) And then Bastion kind of leans back and is like, what are you talking about? You told me to let you work, and I decided to let you work, and and like my tail was like, I can't 
Ah, you bastard. Uh, that was really satisfying for me, not just because it was like, you know, my character seeming like a cool guy who's all like smart and stuff, but because uh, it, it was a it was a progression for Bastion that kind of happened organically. Uh, a few episodes ago, Bastion saw Mateo kind of starting his machinations and talking to Isabel and Caroline. And I said, I make a mental note to scold him later. And I fully intended to do that when I said that, because I was going to be like, you can't trust her, back off, I'll handle her, that kind of thing. Talking down to Mateo a little bit. Uh, and then at the end of uh, that same episode, uh, we had the altercation with the Inquisition outside of uh, Bastion's familial home. And that led to the confrontation where Matteo was like, we could have thought of a different solution besides you just murdering a bunch of people. Maybe sometimes you let me work instead of just spilling blood and, and just resorting to your sword without thinking. And, uh, and like that actually stuck with Bastion a little bit, all the way to the point where um, two episodes ago, Matteo went to go talk to Isabel and uh, I was like oh cool this is where Bastion's gonna scold him and be like you can't trust her what are you doing you're a child blah Mm -hmm. and during that whole scene I like was I was like something feels wrong about me just scolding him what is it you know we kind of had this tension already what is it and I realized that like what Matteo said made sense to Bastion and he just decided you know what he's right if anyone's going to help Isabel, it's not going to be me. I'm too high profile and it's not my arena. If like, if I'm going to help Isabel, it's going to be by running up and stabbing Marcel Nissois, which isn't the smart play. I need to step back and let Matteo work. That's how he can save her, not me. And, uh, and so then when I re- made that realization, I was just really looking forward to the moment where the two characters would come to a head and Matteo would be like, you're a dick. And Bastian would be like, actually, I just listened to what you said. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was like a fun, just like, arc of uh of role play uh that like kind of happened organically between sean and i and uh we both i think i think we both walked away from it pretty satisfied i know i did at least uh so that's my favorite moment nice yeah i remember feeling like that was a really surprising moment that i was like oh my gosh that did happen uh so yeah I thought it was a good moment all around. They finally learned to work together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, we have made you wait long enough for this episode, so we really want to move on in. So let's listen to Series 7, Episode 15, Pearls Before Swine. Enjoy. I am Bastion Corazon. I hail from the Castilian city of Odysseus, home of the duelist tournament known as the Festival of Swords. Watching swordmasters all over the world compete inspired me at a very young age to take up the blade. Once I was old enough, I joined the Explorer Society as a means to travel to Avalon and study under the masters of the Skaldas Klisa style. However, earning entry to the Duelist Guild was not enough for me. I have spent nearly two decades since traveling the world, testing my blade against masters and villains alike. Most recently, I have found myself aboard a pirate ship, accompanying a man I consider a brother. Goodbrand Strandbella, on his journey to Numa to uncover lost artifacts. One day I hope to truly master the way of the sword, unlock his secrets, and eventually settle down and found a duelist academy to teach a style of my own making. Until then, I will continue to travel the world and learn what I can the way I know best, crossing blades with skilled duelists brave enough to face me. Good friend, Strandavella, and it is very good to meet you. Please don't be too alarmed from my appearance. I am a Skald Vala, a keeper of runes, a finder of lore, a protector of the legacy of Vestan Manavanyar. 
This may seem like a lofty title, but I promise modern Vestons appreciate far more the achievements of their fighters and their merchants. With the founder of a notable merchant's guild for a father and a mother whose dueling skills are renowned across Thea, I have quite a bit to live up to. Nothing made this more clear than my parents' obvious adoration of Bastian. Today I call him brother, but when my mother first took him into our home for training, I admit my jealousy of his easy demeanor and obvious skill with the weapon. It was this skill that cemented us as a team, working for our respective societies. For the first time, he has taken me away from my home country, on a path that may lead me to the fabled Thirteenth Rune, and with it, the immortality of my name. Ahoy, I am Captain Kirill Tikvintimovich, strongest man in there. <laughs> you believe? <laughs> Maybe strongest. Who is to say? My past is unimportant. Now, I am captain of the iceberg. She is a very good vessel, silent as the grave, and sturdy enough to sail in dangerous waters others won't follow. Excellent for smuggling. I make certain modifications myself after I steal her from Atabian Trading Company, not Kirill's biggest fans. About two years ago, I am finding Stowe, uh, who is nephew of Vodachi Merchant Prince, a man who hires me to smuggle relics. The boy is young, but sharp as tattoo needle. He pays Kirill well to pocket artifacts he likes uh, before they are reaching uncle, and so we are in business. However, coin is not enough. Everyone I am allowed to sailing on the iceberg has their uses. <laughs> Matteo di Caligari, at your service. You may have heard of me. Certainly my uncle is a merchant prince of Odachi, but I am constructing a legacy of my own as a renowned archaeologist for the Explorer's Society. Ever since I was a boy, I have loved to watch my uncle's smugglers deliver ancient artifacts from all over the world. As I matured, I loved even more to skim a few off the top for my own personal study. At thirteen, my uncle took notice of my mental, if not material, acquisitiveness and sent me to University and Lyceum in Castile, from which I graduated in a prodigious two years, making only minimal enemies in the process. After the completion of my studies, instead of returning home on Capitano Kirill's vessel, I stowed away to sail straight to the source of my desires, the occult ruins of the mysterious Sirneth. By age 16, our mutually profitable arrangement brought us to Vestin Minavignar, where the Explorer Society connected us with the duelist Bastian, the Valas called Gudbrand, and a lead that would change the course of our fates forever. When we had last left our heroes, they had just unmasked uh, Marcel Nissois as the villain he is with some help from uh, a bit of Galder magic as well as some devious teamwork between Bastian and Mateo's uh, social operation. Kirill had uh, begun uh, the exit strategy for um, our team's potential escape uh, and now we open right into the midst of that scene. Marcel Nissois has called for the guards, and uh, you stand with Gersemi, Isabel, Caroline, 
three festival officiants and Marcel Nissois. The guards are closing in from seemingly all sides uh, and we'll move right into a dramatic scene. What are your approaches? Well, since not everyone is apprised of the plan, I think Matteo might maybe take the command here uh, as uh, from this box kind of as dispatcher, uh, kind of helping everyone, uh, letting everyone know where they need to go to uh, get out of the city. Matteo, you will roll panache and notice to keep a wary eye as well as uh, direct people as needed. Uh, where are these guards coming from? Are we above them? Many of them, yes. Uh, there may be some coming, some coming down uh, the hallway where the box leads out into, uh, but most of them are coming up through the the, the arena stands uh, as they were set there for crowd control purposes. Um, I'm going to try to head those guards off. Um, I will leap from the champion's box. Uh, landing in the stands uh, and uh, draw my blade and my dagger. Uh, and I, I don't know if Isabel and or Jersemi want to join me. They are more than welcome to. <laughs> I may give Isabel a look before I do it, maybe a wink. Uh, and then I will step on the uh, on the banister and leap off, uh, drawing both of my weapons as I fall. And I'm going to try to put myself in a position in a position where uh, anyone running down the stairs from the championship box can run behind me uh, towards the exit where uh, the striking figure of Capitan Kirill is currently. I'm not trying to kill anybody, but uh, uh, I'm trying to disarm them and take them down and knock them down the bleachers. Uh, uh, basically, uh, dis- disarm and disable this brew squad that is approaching us. Sure. You'll use uh, finesse and weaponry. All right. Uh, I am going to uh, be part of the team that gets Caroline to where she is going. Uh, Captain Carol knows the way. Uh, I am keep an eye out for guards, making sure that nobody recognizes her, comes after us. I'm basically, uh, I suppose, providing cover and guidance for her. Okay. Are you trying to hide her from sight as you move through, or are you trying to um, anticipate any anybody noticing them by keeping an eye out as you move? Let's go with hide her from sight. Okay. So that's f- finesse and hide. Carol is going to be crowd control, holding door possibly for a start of it, but uh, moving the masses away from the combat and then moving the combatants away from uh, Caroline and Mateo. Directing traffic and maybe punching where necessary. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I think this is brawn and intimidate. Okay. So we are coming to the end of the ballet. So uh, in addition to everything else that's happening on initiative count two, the bull is going to escape. <laughs> He's my favorite when it gets away. <laughs> um, and you guys will try to follow him. It's lead, um, uh, and you'll spend eight uh, raises on uh, the four of you escaping. For every two that you don't fill, one of you will get caught. Uh, you'll spend three to aid Caroline in her escape. You'll spend one to help Isabel in her escape. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to show Marcel's true colors, you'll need to spend seven. To, to the public, rather than just to the people in the box. Okay, now is the time to spend hero points. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Let's roll. Bastian? I have six raises. Uh, Mateo? Four raises for Mateo. Kiro? Kiro has four. And Gudbrand? Three raises for Gudbrand, with one remainder. Bastian, you are up first. Uh, so, like I said, I, uh, I wink at Isabel, and I step up on the banister and leap down uh, to uh, put myself in between uh, the approaching guards and the stairway coming down from the, from the box. Uh, and I will draw my sword and my dagger, and I will begin to disarm and trip and knock these guards into each other so that uh, they cannot get into the uh, box. And I will spend uh, two raises towards getting uh, getting the party out safely. So you jump down, and uh, the guards don't seem like particularly keen on going up against Odysseus literally most recently famous swordsman. So they, they come at you with sort of a less than irate fervor as uh, they approach you. It's easy for you to uh, take advantage of that and disarm them and and uh, push one into the other. Uh, you've definitely drawn the attention of the surrounding crowd as they're kind of getting an extra little bit of uh, the festival right now. Mateo and Kirill? Uh, yes. Oh, and Bastian. Actually, yeah, you guys can go. Matteo will definitely um, uh, spend um, one one raise to uh, to turn to Caroline first, and be like, Caroline, uh, go with Goodbrand. He can take you. Uh, and I indicate Goodbrand <laughs> behind the curtain. Uh, he may look strange, but go with Goodbrand. He can he can take you where you need to go if you wish to escape. Uh, and I will spend one raise toward Caroline's escape. Kirill uh, or Bastian? Uh, with the audience pouring out of the castle, uh, Kirill wants to ensure that this particular entrance, uh, or now exit, is only for us. Uh, Kirill's going to step forward, use very intimidating giant form, uh, to glower at anyone who uses this door uh, and send them to another. Uh, so we'll put uh, two races toward the skip. Bastian? Sitting there fighting, I will take a couple of steps up the bleachers. I will spend one race as I uh, as I sh- uh, as I shout up into the box. Oh, Izzy, my emerald heart aches. Get your ass moving, and uh, I will kick her into gear by sure. spending one race to ensure her escape because she hates it when I call her Izzy. <laughs> she uh, laughs and uh, says, "Already on my way." <laughs> uh, she she actually vaults over the railing and lands next to you. Um, with you guys kind of having, like, your back. But there's definitely a clear way down the path for her. As long as she is beside me, I know that she will be able to escape. As we, uh, as we uh, assume our usual form, we fight with the same fighting style, in fact. Uh, back to back, swirling around, a whirlwind of steel. Good friend, Matteo and Bastian. Uh, good friends is waiting for Caroline to come down the stairs. As well, as soon as he spots her, he sweeps off his cloak and says, "Here, uh, wear this." Very kind of unceremoniously, and so she, I, I assume she awkwardly holds out her hands, and uh, uh, he uh, puts it on her and fastens it uh, underneath her neck, and then sweeps her out the door and says, "Kirill, which way?" Uh, to the carriage, the carriage. And I uh, take her towards the carriage, spending two raises towards Aid Caroline. Just as you said, uh, you throw your cloak over her um, in something she would certainly never wear and fasten it, uh, hiding her, her 
golden locks um, and uh, usher her out of a chaotic situation uh, down the street uh, to a place uh, out of sight. Bastian and Matteo? Surveying the scene and, and watching all of this as it happens, I turn to um, Marcel Nissois and in a very public version of a private confrontation, I say, Headmaster Nissois, even your very own daughter flees your tyranny as you send the guards of Odysseia against the people's champion, the sword of Castile. Gersemi, is this not a flagrant violation of the Festival of Swords? Uh, and I am spending three raises uh, toward Marcel revealing his true colors. Uh, to help along with that, to that end, um, uh, as he draws the crowd's attention to me, uh, I will uh, open myself up for an attack from one of the guards and let him wound me. Uh, and I will stumble back and look meanfully up towards uh, 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 Marcel as I uh, quickly uh, disarm that guard and kick him down the, the bleachers. And then I act like I am more wounded than I am. As I, as I continue the fight, making it look like it is much more laborious than it is, in fact, I will spend one race uh, to continue to expose Marcel. Uh, as you do this, the dancers with the bull uh, finally have their attention pulled uh, just long enough for uh, the bull to uh, find an opening and uh, get through the breaks in in the uh, corral and make his way out into the street, spreading the the um, crowds as he goes. Uh, this is fun festival. <laughs> uh, Bastian and, and Kirill? I will uh, uh, heroically place myself in front of Isabel um, uh, to give her an opportunity to, to leave. Uh, and I will, like, shout out, uh, like, you're free now! Free from Marcel! Free from, uh, from captivity! Make your escape! And I, like, look at her with, like, a look like, I'm going to get slapped for this later. <laughs> I know, but, uh, hopefully she goes along with it as I, as I move in the way to knock away a, a, a sword that was coming towards her. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, like, and, uh, try to get her out of the fight. And that will be one more race towards exposing Marcel. Uh, she heavily rolls her eyes and says, Oh, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> However, can I repay you? <laughs> Deus be praised. <laughs> uh, okay, too much. Too she much she bats away a sword. <laughs> I, I'm helpless without you. <laughs> right, okay. Until finally you like kick her I, in I the like, butt. I give her like a kick. I like <laughs> shove her. I'm like, go. <laughs> and then she goes running. <laughs> Odysseans, fear not the bull. The monster is up there. Uh, I spend a hero point for leadership to inspire a revolt of the Odyssean people inside this castle uh, to take down uh, Marcel, perhaps, uh, and two raises to unmask him finally. Bastian and Goodbrand, you are uh, at one. Um, uh, so Goodbrand opens uh, the equivalent of the skylights in the carriage, just like pops it open, looks for uh, looks for Bastian, wherever he is, when he finally spots him, says, It's time to go! What are you doing, Bastian? <laughs> are we leaving or not? You spend a raise to knock some sense into Bastian. <laughs> and that's one more towards escape, 
and with uh, with my final race, I will uh, uh, like run up some of the bleachers uh, to get away from the guards who have mostly kind of uh, knocked back away, uh, and uh, I will uh, raise my hat to the crowd. Uh, as, yeah. as I sheath my sword, uh, and I go, uh, people of Odyssea, find yourself a better leader. As I uh, toss two wealth worth of uh, gold into the crowd uh, and uh, make them swarm, uh, blocking uh, any remaining guards. Uh, as I duck down into the into the uh, crowd, and I assume they let they assist me in my uh, in my ability to uh, escape. As I I dart through all of them and like high five a couple of them <laughs> and then pop out uh, uh, at the uh, gate and join uh, uh, Gulbran at the carriage. And that is one more towards uh, the group escaping. Why is it so difficult to get you to stop fighting? It's time when we have a plan, you stick to it. Well, sometimes it's just too much fun. <laughs> so, Bastian, you. Uh uh, shout at the driver to go as you jump into the carriage uh, and slam the door and uh, it immediately flies down the path that Carol had set it on earlier. I didn't like, even get to say goodbye to Mama. <laughs> <laughs> However, when you get inside Bastian, you realize that something has gone terribly wrong as Matteo is not in the carriage. Matteo, in the box, you sort of made your grand speech about how Marcel was an extremely nefarious person and go to back out the door and back into someone. And at first, you think it's Captain Kirill because he's a big man and you definitely backed into somebody huge. Uh, but it's not. All right, Capitano, let's go. Oh. <laughs> uh, in fact, it's um, the bald-headed uh, man and his friend, brown mustache guy. Ah, Baldian mustache! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they kind of push you forward. Uh, Marcel, uh, who is still under the Galder magic, uh, says, you have no escape. One truth I can't argue with. The thing about me not being a bright boy, uh, we can discuss that one later. But yes, I suppose I am boxed in. Gersemi steps up and whispers something to Marcel. And he says, that is of no importance right now. You have uh, completed your task. You may go home. And uh, he says, take him to the university. And uh, unless you fight it, uh, you will uh, be taken to somewhere in the university. That's fine. Okay. Escorted by Baldy and Mustache Man. Gentlemen. Those of you in the carriage, as soon as you realize Mateo is gone, what do you do? Did you not bring Mateo with you? I thought he had come with you. You were the closest one to him. I thought he had, he had already moved on. I was busy with the... <sighs> we... And I sit there for a second and I think, and I go, he is a capable man. And they will not kill him because he does not have the idol on him. He is their only path to the idol. That is a, a good amount of reasoning. We should regroup and find out where they are keeping him. To the ship? Yes, definitely. We cannot go back there. There is no way we can, we can break him out now. If he does say anything, they are coming for the idol. We need to get it off the ship. Definitely. I turn to Isabel. You get a smack in the face. <laughs> 
I deserve that. But it was it was for the show. Of course it was. But it doesn't mean you don't get a slap. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she's not stabbing you this time. Yet. Uh, <laughs> she sort of does like a, oh, what? <laughs> like shrug. <laughs> As if she's completely, uh, she has no act, idea. Do not act coy. We've all been there for it. It's lovely to see you again. Mm. <laughs> uh, on this enchanting creature? <laughs> <laughs> Isabel McAllister. Captain Kirill Tikvantimovich. It is a pleasure to meet. Uh, Caroline, are you okay? Um, uh, wait, um, monsieur. <laughs> I think she is still in shock. That is understandable. It's okay, you are safe now. We are friends of Mateo's. Uh, we did not intend to leave him behind, but we will find a way to rectify. Isabel, I need to know everything you know about Marcel's operation and where he is going to take Mateo. Well, the most likely area is uh, back to the university. He's got his own private offices. Uh, those are obviously the most secure. Of course, I've never been allowed in them. Uh, she turns to Caroline. Lena, are you? Have you been there? Do you have any idea? Unfortunately, I I do not. I I had no idea my father was such. So she didn't. I, I, I thought he was overprotective. I, how could I have been so blind? And and now Matteo, sweet Matteo, he is in trouble, and it is all my fault. If I had perhaps rebuffed him at first, or, or perhaps just, uh, he's he's. Matteo did what needed to be done, and your father's actions are his alone to bear. You have no blame in this exchange. We got you out of there because you are a good person. If either of you can get us close to where Matteo might be held, we can handle the rest. Well, Isabel, I assume you will assist. Nigerine. Actually, that's going to be a bit of a problem. I've got a wee trinket on my ankle uh, that I've not been able to get off. It's the reason I uh, haven't been able uh, to really leave. <laughs> Uh, she takes her foot out of her boot and there's a brass anklet on it. It's like a cuff. I've done just about everything I can to get it off my, myself. Uh, it's uh, thanks to the uh, thanks to the uh, alchemistas. I've uh, I've had a, a bit of trouble. Allow me to take a look at that. Good friend would like to study it and see if it's... Don't get any funny ideas. <laughs> oh, please. Trust me. I, I will not. Good friend uh, takes the cuff into his hands, takes a look at it. It's not by any means Galder magic or uh, 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 Vestan magic of any type, but um, he, has had, he has seen something like this before uh, as a, uh, a kind of a magical bear trap sort of thing uh, while he's been out hunting. And so uh, I'm spending a hero point on Got It, which allows me to disarm any trap or uh, uh, pick a lock uh, and... Uh, I am not able to get rid of the magic aspect, but I can get it off of her ankle. You do. Uh, but as you do, she goes, wait, no. And um, you hear a, a chink and a small glass vial that was on the inside of the cuff. The, uh, the, the stopper that was holding it shut was on one side of the, uh, the anklet. And on the other side was the... Uh, containing the bottle containing a liquid uh, and it pours out 
onto her ankle uh, and uh, her eyes like roll back into her head uh, and she like uh, collapses to the floor. Isabel! Hmm? I immediately grab her and 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 just like try to shake her awake. Uh, she is asleep. Is she so she's alive. She's breathing. Yeah, she's she's breathing, but she's uh, dead like dead asleep. Tricky both the sourios. They put it on upside down. I thought it was the other way. I I turn to Carolina. I'm like, can you fix this? Uh, n- no, I, <laughs> I, I had no idea it was the, even there. Uh, I am, I am, I am not studied in this. It pains me to say this. I think we need Mateo. Do you think she will be all right asleep until we can get to him? Do we have a choice? I suppose not. Uh, we get to the ship. I guess we have to row out to it. Or? Yes. Um, I will carry uh, uh, Isabel to the uh, to the boat that we have to take to get to the ship, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I will be like monitoring her. The whole way, making sure she's still breathing the whole time. Yes, she is. She seems in a very deep, steady sleep. Uh, but you get to the ship. Uh, do you put her in like a berth or? Uh, yes, yes. I bring her to uh, the ship's doctor, Anna, uh, and I explain what happened. Um, we need to leave port, yes? Uh, surely the, the headmaster will send people after us. Mm, this is probably wise. Liren, uh, take a minute. Uh, seal out to deeper water. Uh, myself and Bastion Goodbrand, uh, we have more business in Odessa. If reports say that the iceberg has left, they will think we are gone. I look, I look to Isabel's unconscious body, and I, I pull the uh, the silver ribbon out of my pocket uh, that we got in the in the ruins in Nikiamara, uh, and I will uh, I will uh, pull her her wild shock of hair. Uh, back out of her face and tie it with said ribbon in a nice little bow. It looks very nice. And then, then I will, uh, I will like pat her shoulder and say, we, "Until we meet again." And stand up and go. I am ready, Capitan. Liren, keep uh, keep the iceberg close to the shore, to the east. If you can find a lagoon somewhere, she will not be bothered. Uh, we will meet you back as soon as we can. Aye, Captain. Of course, sir. If I don't come back. Brenna is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and we walk off. <laughs> uh, I grab the icon from Mateo's chambers and we walk off. Also, before we leave, I do, uh, I do grab Caroline and uh, I say, uh, stay close to Brenna. Uh, uh, she can protect you. Oh, uh, of, uh, of course. Uh, who is Brenna? Uh, I, I try not to point her out overtly. Uh, because I do not want her to yell at me. <laughs> uh, but I point to... I think they are almost the same age, right? Yeah. Uh, Bren is slightly younger than... Yeah. But not by much. I point to the young girl on the sheep uh, who is walking around with more confidence than her age should allow. <laughs> uh, and I say her. She is uh, dangerous to anyone who tries to hurt her. So you stay behind her and you will be safe. We will bring Matteo back. I promise. Merci, monsieur. May I ask you a, a question? Of course. I, I know that you are uh, Bastian Corazon, and this is Capitan Kirol, and this is Gutbrand Strandveller, is uh, the son of Gersemi Strombo. Um, but why are you all together? And 
also, is she also a marsher? Are they all that dangerous? <laughs> um, not all of them. Uh, but they do have a certain fire. And why are you all together and helping me? How did you know that I needed help? Really? And she starts kind of like into like an I, academic sort I, of... I put my <laughs> hand on her shoulder and I say, we are together because fate has brought us together. And we are helping you because it is the right thing to do. You are rich, yes? That was not the time. <laughs> I am my father's only heir. Do, you do actually not need to answer that. Uh, Capitan Kiro, I believe the boat is ready. Let's, let's go. As you wish, Capitan. <laughs> and um, you get in the little rowboat, uh, row back. Kiro, feeling even better now that he's closer to the ocean, uh, rows you back to shore. It's salty smell. Invigorating. <laughs> So, uh, Mateo, you are ushered into shuttered carriage and uh, swiftly driven to the university where you are led through a back entrance, uh, up a narrow staircase, uh, the top of which you meet Jeanette. Oh, my friend. I am sure you are mistaken. Your hands, please. I give her my hands. Uh, which she clamps manacles on. Uh, and she says, uh, Gentlemen, uh, merci. Your payment can be found at the purser downstairs. Mateo, with me? I regret that we were not better friends. <laughs> <laughs> and she she unlocks and opens a door for you. I go in. Okay. It is the uh, back door into, the, uh, into Marcel's office. Okay, so I'm in Marcel's office. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, of course, please sit. I'd be delighted to. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, of course, Professor Nissoir will be with you in a moment. Uh, it is simply my duty to make sure you are, not to say comfortable, but certainly aware. If you would uh, open your mouth, please. I'm sorry, what do you need from my mouth? To put something in it. I open my mouth. Uh, cool. She takes a small vial uh, that's uh, about an inch or so high with a little eyedropper in it. And uh, just a drop. I'm sorry, may I ask what this is going to do? Uh, it is an anesthetic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it then. So she puts a dropper, uh, just a, a little tiny bit on your tongue. Sure. And from your tongue, like this, like physical numbness uh, spreads, like from like just the drop on your tongue to like to your lower jaw, to your upper jaw, uh, then like down your neck. And like it's, it's a subtle numbness, basically enough that your movements would, might be sluggish. It shouldn't affect your speech too much. Um, it's, it's a relaxant then. Yes. That's and, perfect. And also if you uh, were to perhaps feel any pain, you think that it would be extremely dulled. Ah. Uh, if there uh, is anything else I can help you with, of course. Please let me know. Uh, just one more thing. And she uh, takes a cuff 
with like a little bottle in it uh, and and snaps it around uh, your ankle. And she walks over to a sitting chair and grabs a, a ledger off uh, off of like the table nearby and begins to write in it again. Um, so during this moment that I that I have, um, before this, my mind was racing with escape plans and all the kinds of things that I could attempt and and uh, all the daring possibilities. But now, feeling relaxed and remembering uh, the conversations I had with my father, um, I'm just going to. Um, kind of pull my legs up onto the chair I'm on and uh, just kind of sit cross-legged on top of the chair and I close my eyes and fold my hands and I'm going to meditate. I'm just going to think about the layout of the university, all the entrances and exits, where people might come in, where people might go out, who is here, who is my friend, who is my enemy, and I'm going to activate... I've been waiting for this, and just uh, think about escaping. Gutbrand, Bastian, and uh, Kirill, you make your way to shore, uh, and there is a large amount of activity going on around the city. There's um, smoke coming from the castle, for starters, something that certainly wasn't happening when you uh, originally, or when you left it. There's also still massive crowds in the street that might be part of the uh, the parade of the bull. However, it could be something more sinister. There's a there's like a underlying current underneath it that perhaps isn't only of celebration. There's a there's a little bit of a anarchist kind of like rabbling to it. But you get to the docks safely enough. If we perhaps go for one of those smaller docks, we can completely avoid the harbor, which is where most of uh, anybody who would be looking for us would be. No, you are thinking like smuggler. <laughs> you have taught me well. Uh, so you guys um, pull your dinghy up to one of these smaller personal docks and uh, make your way up into uh, the residential area uh, against the cliffside. This is my hometown. I will lead the way uh, using whatever back alleys and, and street sides I think might be less populated or at least would have friendly faces uh, as, uh, as we try to dart through the city as quickly as possible so we can get to the other side and uh, begin to approach the, uh, the university, which is a, is a little bit outside of town. Correct. Uh, it's set on the outside of town, but is the main long building uh, where many of the classes are held. The the like college proper, as it were, is along a street in town. It's not a you don't have to sort of wend your way through like a mountain pass to get there. Sure, it's not like an enclave. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will. I will lead us to the best of my ability. You do. And as you pass through the main street, it is filled with uh, soldiers uh, and guards uh, trying to quell what looks like a little bit of like a like an uprising, Um, especially as you get closer to the university. There are people actively throwing rocks at the university um, and and chanting like send the Montaner home and um uh no inquisition no niçois um 
just uh, all the kind of like underlying tensions that you didn't really even feel in Odyssea that existed in Odyssea that you guys sort of encouraged in one way or another uh, have have uh, quickly taken root and are now producing lots of different trees. <laughs> Do we think it is best for us to find a hiding place and approach the uh, university at night? Um, I would say... We probably need to leave the area of Odyssey as quickly as possible. Yes, we don't want to have the the iceberg circling uh, for too long because it is a, it, it is a ship. It's fairly obvious that they that it's still there. So waiting until night might not be the best option. I am a a little old for a student, but Caroline still has my cloak. Uh, I may wash off uh, my traditional paint, even though it will pain me to do so, and uh, perhaps I can make my way in. You could speak as if you were a professor. (laughs) Excuse me, class. Uh, I am here, your professor. Uh, Are you ready to start? (laughs) Uh, you can work on that as we sneak up to the, uh, <laughs> as we sneak up. Um, so, uh, Goodbrand, uh, finds the nearest fountain. It's a fancy university and, uh, uh, sticks his head under the mouth of a gargoyle and scrubs away at the, at the oily black paint that covers his head and, uh, tries to dry off as much as possible. And, and, and I tuck my, uh, burlap shirt into my, uh, uh, rabbit skin pants and make myself look as presentable as possible. Um, and I uh, stride comfort- f- confidently onto the grounds of the university with these two in tow, I suppose. I mean, no, I well, hold on. Am I before, trying to find? Yes, am I, I guess we should. Uh, I, st- I stop you before you go. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. We sneak at first. I am a very recognizable face right now. <laughs> <laughs> or he infiltrates and lets us inside door somewhere. That too. But sure. I'm not going. I should be as unseen as possible. Oh, did you win the festival of swords? Oh, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> that <laughs> Do you hear that noise? I, they, I told them to do that. <laughs> um, sure. So I go in by myself and find the back door. Sure. Um, is there? Po- is it possible we we find like we scope out where he might let us in from the inside? Um, yeah. The, there's a there's a courtyard with with doors into uh, uh, towards like uh, the dormitories and and and. Uh, Professor domiciles, as well as doors into the main building, uh, as well as other colleges. And uh, using direction sense, I perfectly remember exactly where this is and where it is at all times to my own uh, uh, location. Sure. So I go from the grounds to the most public entrance and uh, uh, start start there. Uh, what do I find on the other side of the first door I find? A hallway. A hallway. I go down that hallway. Okay. Uh, as you do, a gentleman comes up to you and uh, is like, uh, uh, "Wait, uh, what are what are you uh, looking for? Uh, what are you doing here?" Uh, in uh, Vestin, I say, "I am completely normal. I am doing exactly what I should be doing. Don't worry about me." Oh, and you're banking on him not knowing Vestin. Got it. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> he- here, any like motion, like points here? Here, um, professor, professor, uh, professor. Fine, professor. Wish professor. Uh, 
Professor? <laughs> he he mimes uh, a beard uh, with like a like a like like a bearded like a he mimes like a person having a beard, sure. um, and uh, kind of like raises his eyebrows. And in in Vestin, I say, beard. Yes, yes, you idiot. The one with the beard. <laughs> oh, okay. And he he kind of like scrunches his face up and is like. Wait here. <laughs> uh, and he, he scrunches up his face again and actually manages to pull the word wait uh, out, invest in. Ah, ah, wait, wait. Yes, I will wait. Wow, that's impressive. And he like looks surprised. He's really happy about it. He goes, You'll, you, you wait. Wait. <laughs> Go on. And he sort of like speeds off to the to the to get someone i guess does he does he turn down another hallway yeah as soon as he's out of sight i follow him and go down the other direction in the hallway (laughs) is it towards my goal or away from my goal uh it is away from your goal okay for sure Um, but i know where that is because i I don't know if i mentioned this but i have directions (laughs) (laughs) uh Meanwhile, uh, Bastian and, and Captain Kirill, you have arrived at the door that you agreed to meet um, Gudbrand at. How long do I give him before we break it down? <laughs> I give him some time. Uh, quieter is better in this particular instance. Yeah, you are from here, sure. <laughs> <laughs> After a little while, uh, Mateo... Uh, a door opens behind you. My eyes open along with it. Merci, Jeanette. You may go. Sir, are you sure? He is armless. Go, Jeanette. And uh, she, she sort of ducks her head and, and, and steps out. Mm. Sounds like she really wants to help you. And sounds like you haven't learned anything. I am the head of u- the university. I do not need to know anything. Ah, yes. Learning is complete. You've finished it. A hundred percent. You know everything. Everything about you. Hmm, right. So there's nothing you need to ask me then. <laughs> Not really. That doesn't mean you don't have a use. Hmm. Capitano tells me that sometimes too. <laughs> I have a feeling your uses will not be as kind as his. I imagine not. And he, he sits behind the desk that you first met him behind. Just like old times. I remember my admission to this fine institution. I had great respect for you then. Well, it seems uh, you had fewer poor ideas. That's the problem with learning. Eventually you start to get bad ideas. With the company you keep, I am not surprised. Oh, we were talking about me. He looks unamused. So, Matteo, I am not the horrible villain that you make me out to be. Uh, It's true, I am protective of my... Only daughter, and the criminal was not treated unfairly. She was on parole, as you say. And yet, you work against me when I have been nothing but kind. And now, we have come to a place where you are at a disadvantage. That's true. And even if you're right... And you are not as bad as you say you are. And you, you truly do have everyone's best interests at heart. 
you have struck a deal with Bernoulli, <laughs> and that is just damning. It is only because your uncle withdrew his support when I asked for help for an expedition, the same expedition that you have been on. Ah, you are looking for the path on which good men shall go. Suffice it to say that you're just not the right man for the job, you and Bernoulli. Ah, I disagree with my uncle on some things, but not supporting you in this particular endeavor. I'm with him. Well, the little family is complete then. You have uh, not been exiled, not anymore. He has lifted that restraint on you, like father, like son. Maybe Vodachi is not currently my home, but uh, a man can wander and still have family, like father, like son. So let's get to the meat of it. You want something from me. You've backed the wrong man. Amboise isn't getting you what you want. Uh, not yet, but he is certainly working on it. Yes, I imagine he is. He's working very hard, I'm sure. He has half. Who has the other half? Don't be stupid. Of course, it is you and your ragamuffin crew that you sail with on the iceberg. So it seems they have left you behind. That was smart of them. So where are they going? Well... They have taken my daughter, they have taken my servant, and they have taken the icon. Of course, the icon is the most important, but I would like them all returned. That is where I cannot help you. I don't know a thing. Well, then we have reached an impasse. You refuse to help yourself. I tried to be nice. Uh, I tried to be kind to you, and you turned me away for what? Uh, your name at the top of another silly paper, when I could have just given you whatever you wanted. Uh, and he he opens a drawer, and he pulls out um, an instrument roll, which he rolls out along the desk, and he takes um, a scalpel, uh, and he walks over, and he grabs your arm and he and he pushes up your sleeve uh and holds your arm down across the desk as he puts one two three cuts uh on like the back of your arm uh and you like they're like pins and needles um but they but they don't hurt but you know that those cuts are deep and they're going to hurt and he says perhaps uh then we will just wait until your feeling comes back to you. Then you might be more willing to talk. It is the true learned man who uh, resorts to force. Well, I could have just had them beat you, but that I you thought we have. would be more civilized. Mm, yes. I've never met a more civil man. Meanwhile, <laughs> good friend, you've taken off to the right. <laughs> um, so I'm going down the hallway... Um, the way the construction looks, it looks like as though uh, there may be a, a set of stairs going up or down, which means I could go the other direction. But I'm also, uh, as I'm quickly going through this hallway, uh, kind of uh, listening in at the doors to see if perhaps I can find a laundry room or uh, just maybe an empty room to peek in to kind of figure out which, which wing I am in in this uh, university. Sure. So as you are rushing uh, down this hall, there's actually a few doors that are open. Excellent. Uh, outside, you see a, a courtyard separate from the main courtyard. Mm -hmm. And in there, there is a large 
somewhat shallow well um, and uh, with a roof over it. And it looks like it's a, actually a, a laundry um, like area. There are a couple of men and women doing laundry. And uh, uh, from my brief glimpses, do I see the uh, the lines where the things are hanging to dry? Yes. Excellent. And so I am going to um, sneakily, hopefully without being noticed, maybe uh, using some of the parapets as cover, go to the laundry lines. And I want to steal uh, a small professor's cape, a medium-sized professor's cape, and a large-sized professor's cape. <laughs> and I take them off of the line. And uh, I, um, uh, from this courtyard, is there a way that I can go more towards the uh, direction I'm trying to get to, to the dormitories? Yes. I go that direction. Okay. Uh, it take, it doesn't take you you you've put on the I've, yes. medium I've put on the medium one, one and hidden the other cloaks underneath there uh, kind of like I have a little bit of a hunchback but uh, <laughs> I have I have the, the the entire thing buttoned down so that nobody can see my rabbit skin pants. Uh, sure you uh, so with with uh, the cloak on nobody stops you mm-hmm. um, and uh, you easily make it to, to the, the door, door that mm-hmm. uh, you need to open. And, uh, yeah, I open it up and I say, my friends, in quickly, quickly. What are you wearing as I walk in? <laughs> <laughs> here, here I, brought, I brought one for you, too. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> and for you, Kirill, hopefully this one is big enough. Oh, it is close. <laughs> uh, nobody should bother us while we are wearing these, but it should at least buy us time to find Matteo. I stash my hat by the door. I put it high on a statue. (laughs) (laughs) And I take note of where this statue is. And uh, again, I have direction sense. So like I know where it's going to be. (laughs) Icon is no longer on the hat. Icon is on the ropes. Yeah, that makes sense. I have been inside the university once or twice. Once or twice. Uh, I should have a general idea of where the headmaster's office is. You know where the headmaster uh, headmaster's office is, approximately. It is the direction my crabs are pinching. They are unpleasant. <laughs> that is not a good sign. Uh, I, I rush as much as I can without looking incredibly suspicious. Uh, again, there are, like, very few people here. Yep. The, the city is, like, the castle is literally in flames. The city is rioting. There's, there's, a, there's a bull just, like, around the streets somewhere just, like, right. knocking china shops over. There's really very few people around. Yes. Yeah, we make a beeline for the tallest turret and head directly there. Um, any guards outside or would they be outside the door? Uh, the guards you did see were, in fact, sort of boarding up the the first level, like, street level stuff uh, so that when the riots, if the riots come to the target of the rioting, uh, some of the, the architecture could be preserved. So the three of you are running up the tower. You uh, open up the door uh, to the top landing. And there is a woman standing there, a, a slight woman uh, with a tight, uh, her hair up in a tight bun. Uh, she's drinking a vial of, uh, of like a greenish liquid. Uh, and as she does, she throws the bottle uh, to the floor and grabs another off of her waistband uh, and looks as if she's about to throw it at you. <laughs> we'll enter an action sequence. <laughs> So, uh, Mateo, you will also be in this action sequence. Your uh, anesthetic begins to wear off. 
and every action you take from here, uh, you will start to bleed, and you will take one wound. Okay. Uh, the room that you're in, the three of you, is a half circle um, with a, a heavy desk with a door behind it, and uh, on either side of the door, there's a portrait of Caroline and a woman who looks to be her mother um, or her sister. And on the other side, there's a portrait of uh, Professor Nisois himself. There are windows on either side of the door you came through on the rounded walls. This landing looks to be about half of the turret. There's no other doors other than the one straight ahead of you and the one you've entered through. What, it, what is your approach? Um, the woman is about to drink the vial. Uh, I am planning to shoot that vial out of her hand and uh, <clears throat> keep her at bay as much as possible with arrows. Okay. Uh, you will roll finesse and aim. Uh, I will throw off these foolish professor robes uh, and uh, draw my blade and, uh, and rush to engage her. Uh, if, if possible, like dodging whatever she's about to throw at me or hope good brand shoots it out of her hand. I'm more, you know, a direct, uh, just stabby. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> the Sword of Castile is going to sword? Yes. Solid. Great. I have replaced my duelist pin on my uh, cape with the Sword of Castile pin. Absolutely. Obviously. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that will be finesse and weaponry. Uh, Captain Kirill is going to crouch low and charge the uh, large wooden door at the back of the room. Mateo, Mateo, despite the wisdom he's gained, is still a a prideful man and is going to try to endure this pain as best he can, focusing on his uh, signature item, this amulet of protection from the goddess Papnio Agraterra, goddess of the hunt and war. A little bit of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, Kirill, you're going to roll brawn and athletics, and Mateo, resolve and empathy. Uh, yes, now is the time to spend hero points. Uh, Kirill turns quickly to good friend, and Bastion says, "Take no prisoners." And the uh, commanding gives hero point to all other heroes. <laughs> uh, I will spend a hero point as I'm flourishing off this robe, uh, and and say uh, uh, to Kirill. Aye, aye, Capitan! And uh, uh, moving away uh, to make it so that uh, he, ha- he can so- run around me and the woman. Uh, I'm, I'm clearing his path to this door uh, and giving him three extra bonus dice. Uh. I'm going to spend a danger point. Uh, raises uh, cost five more than usual. Mateo? Three raises. Uh, Gutbrand? Gutbrand has three raises, but is making an aim risk, which with quick reflexes uh, allows him to behave as though he has four. And he also has a remainder. Okay. And Bastian? Um, I'm not sure exactly what is wrong with Bastian. Maybe uh, flourishing the robe took a little too long. Uh, (laughs) I rolled four raises uh, with five remainders. I got three ones, a two, and a three. I can't even make a ten with that. (laughs) (laughs) The professor is up first. Uh, So he's uh, going to slice uh, a little bit on uh, your other arm, Uh, Mateo. Nice and slow. Uh, You take three wounds. I think uh, as he begins to do that, um, I'm going to, like, whisper... 
loud enough that he can hear. Bhavnia Agroterra, invoke your protection. And uh, my signature item, the amulet of the Numa goddess Papnia Agroterra that hangs around my neck, the goddess of uh, war and the hunt, who offers protection to those who uh, show honor, courage, and generosity with wisdom. I spend a hero point in order to activate it and prevent wounds equal to the number of raises I spend plus my highest trait. Uh, I will spend no raises and prevent all of the wounds. Uh, as, as he goes to cut me, instead, he does not cut me. <laughs> and when that happens, I say, Ah, even the old gods rebel against you. Is there no woman you can control? <laughs> uh, he basically growls. And I'm going to spend a danger point for to, for him to reach under your shirt and yank on the chain uh, of, of your uh, signature item and throw it on the floor. Yeah, now I can't do it again. And, then he, and he spends a race to do so. Uh, and then he's going to uh, re-attempt to uh, cut, cut your arm. Okay, this time he does it. Okay, you can spend uh, raises to... Mm-hmm. to okay, cool. He's, I just wanted to... How many wounds is he doing? It's three. You can have this one. <laughs> uh, so uh, he slowly, maybe a little bit more forcefully than last time, uh, drags the scalpel across the top of your arm again. Uh, and it, it it hurts. Okay, now I scream. <laughs> That's my third dramatic wound. Now I'm like, ah! <laughs> Did you hear that? There's some girl behind the door. <laughs> <laughs> Then the the woman facing the three of you throws uh, the bottle in her hand at uh, your feet, good friend, Mm. where it crashes and it uh, spills, uh, splashes all over uh, your feet and uh, solidifies uh, and you are stuck Ah. to the floor. Uh, It's some sort of cement. Uh, Kirill and Bastian and good friend, you are all uh, at four. Uh, Gudbrand's bow was already drawn uh, when she went ahead and threw the bottle, uh, so he's going to fire at her and spend the spend the raise to um, fire it at the arm that threw the bottle, and uh, I'm trying to kind of injure the arm so she can't really use it, and I'll spend the raise for that. Okay, uh, before you do, oh. uh, if you could quickly roll a wit's notice for me. Sure. Two, four raises uh, with one remainder. Okay, so uh, you loose your arrow, uh, but not before you see uh, a white sheen uh, on the floor surrounding her. Uh, and as your arrow crosses the plane of that like dust, dusty sheen, it uh, falls to the ground right where it is, as if it had been weighed down by like a lodestone. What the shit? <laughs> Bastian and Kirill? Uh, I rush forward. I push desk uh, to the side, uh, into her side if she is at least nearby it, uh, and use wrecking ball advantage to crash through giant wooden doors at back of room. Unfortunately, she's uh, just a little in front and to the left of it as you uh, you lay a flat palm against it and uh, push it. It crashes underneath the window, leaving a large dent in the wall as you barrel into... The, the door, which buckles under your strength. <laughs> hey. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and you skid to a halt right before you would uh, barrel into Mateo. And the professor looks legitimately surprised. Like, he knew you were coming, but also not like that. Bastian. Uh, I will dart forward uh, at the uh, at the alchemist uh, and uh, brandishing my sword and my dagger. Um, I will spend a raise to do a salmon leap maneuver and leap over her to get behind her because I'm not sure I quite saw that Gubran's arrow could not hit, so I'm trying to get her in between me and Gubran. Uh, and so that is one race. Uh, uh, and I do three wounds. And you do three wounds. Uh, the professor will spend two of his raises to uh, attempt to uh, slit Mateo's throat. I'll spend three raises, and um, instead I will, uh, as as I see him... Uh, like go for that. I'll like put my feet on the floor. I'll plant my feet on the floor and like kick the chair back, and I will knock myself back uh, on the chair uh, and just uh, just like get glanced. Uh, yep. Yeah. So you do that. You negate three of the five wounds, and then uh, the woman, uh, Mateo. You know her as Jeanette. Uh, she's going to take out another vial, and she is going to also throw. Um, throw it at your feet as well and she'll spend uh, two raises to do so. I have, already, I have just landed an athletic maneuver <laughs> uh, as I see her about to throw something at me I will spin out of the way and I will spend two raises to avoid this concoction she is throwing at my leg. Okay, uh, it splatters uh, black ink all over uh, the ground uh, which just uh, turns to mist like little grey tendrils into mist. Uh, Kirlin Gutbrand, you are at three. Um, uh, Gutbrand is... You can spend, now that you know that it's there, you can spend an extra raise to to hit, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, that was the whole point of sure. you noticing. I, I, thought, I, I thought that noticing. I just wasn't able to do anything. But yeah, so then I will do exactly that. Okay. I, I will spend two raises uh, to try and uh, hit her one more time. Um, I use the uh, the arrows that Kirill stole for me. There's just something about these arrows. Ah! There's like a really heavy arrowhead, or there's the shaft is nice and, and nice and aerodynamic. And so this is the one that I use to try and hit her. And I pull back full force and fire it at her head. She dodges out of the way behind the crashed desk, which is out of the circle of dust that uh, that seemed to be affecting your arrows. Uh, but it does. Uh, land soundly in her shoulder, and um, and and she cries out in pain, like from it. She's ah, and then she kind of ducks behind cover. Um, Kirill, these arrows are great. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Kirill, uh, Marcel got a little closer to do this uh, slash at Mateo, uh, so I use risk uh, to improvise. I, I, I use raise to bash him with fist. And I say, what did Kirill just say? <laughs> uh, so he is bashed. He takes wound and deals less wounds. Uh, yeah, so you just, uh, you crash into his face with your fist. Uh, and he stumbles backwards and he uh, falls, not over his, he isn't tipped over his desk, but he definitely like splays back onto his desk. And it's his turn. As he splays, actually, his hand goes right onto the instruments, and there's 
like a small axe for maybe bones. And he, he basically losing all composure, swings wildly at Mateo. He uh, pounces on you like an animal trying to end you for bringing all this trouble upon him. He's concussed from uh, the bash, uh, and so the the uh, hatchet comes down right next to your head, Mateo. Uh, uh, lands not an inch away from your ear, uh, and uh, the, the, there's like a snarl on uh, on his on the professor's face. Jeanette spends her turn doing something behind the desk. Uh, you hear a drawer open. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, 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 Russell. Uh, Kirill and Bastion? I will take this opportunity uh, as she has uh, ducked down behind the desk, and I will run forward, and uh, with my uh, weapon, I will uh, slash at the uh, at the concrete or whatever the substance is uh, that is holding my brother's feet in place and try to chip it away uh, so that he can break free. <laughs> your your lunge manages to create a crack in it that will allow Gutbrand to uh, free himself from the the cement like substance. I've created an opportunity. <laughs> and Kirill, I will move between uh, Matteo and uh, Marcel. Uh, give uh, create opportunity for Matteo uh, to gain his feet and composure. <laughs> Sure. So you reach down and you lift the professor and throw him once again back against the desk. And this time interposing yourself between Mateo uh, and the professor. And that's it. We roll again. Um, I'm going to spend the hero point on joie de vivre. Uh, I have seen uh, the professor uh, through the doorway flying against the wall. And I say, well, friends, it looks like it's time for the professor to get educated. <laughs> and mechanically, that means that uh, any uh, every hero that hears my speech counts all dice equal to or less than their skill on the next roll as a 10. I let out a, I let out a laugh. <laughs> a, a loud, like, bark of a laugh. <laughs> sure. You're comforted by the fact that uh, even in times such as these, your brother Bastian will always laugh at your dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we will roll again. My approach remains the same. I am fighting with my weapons. I plan to use my knowledge of the layout of the university uh, and um, these people specifically, I, because I know these people, to basically provide tactical advice to my companions. Okay. Uh, I'm changing from athletics to brawl. Uh, you get your flare die. I'm going to do basically the same thing. I have to free myself first, though. You don't have to spend a raise if okay. it's your flavor trapped now. <laughs> I'm still attacking uh, Jeanette using my bow, so it's uh, a finesse and aim. Okay. Uh, instead of resolve and empathy, Mateo, you will roll wits and scholarship. Now's the time to spend hero points or danger points, which I will do. Oh, hey. So this just happens to be... Oh, wait. What are you spending the danger point for? On 15s. Okay, that's cool. Here's what I'm going to do. I spend one hero point uh, with camaraderie. Um, to be uh, Kirill's in-house tactician, uh, give Kirill, uh, Capitano Kirill, four bonus dice. Uh, I've been waiting to, for this. I will trigger it to double that 
and give uh, four bonus dice also to um, Bastian. Uh, and then I'm also going to activate Brains of the Outfit to give Capitano Kirill an additional four bonus dice for my ranks in scholarship. <laughs> um, I will also activate Exemplary, so I am pooling my raises with Captain Kirill, meaning I don't have to take a goddamn action. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do literally everything. You can, like, carry me around, and I'll just be like, this next. Uh, I got a hero point left. Good brand. You can have four as well. <laughs> Uh, Captain Kirill is going to activate that. The two we have not seen yet, for it is beneath his pants on his caps. Uh, on his caps, he has minor anchor tattoos, uh, which allow him to give hero point to another player. Uh, in this case, it shall be Matteo. Flavorfully, what I think it is, is now that I have put myself between Matteo and Marcel, uh, the anchors anchor my feet to the floor mm-hmm. and I will not be moved from this position if I do not allow it. Alchemist first! <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> Take it as you will. Roll as many bonus dice as you want about it. Uh, rem- remember that you're rolling for 15s and let's roll. Kirill and Mateo? Uh, I believe we have 17 total. Yes, uh, 9 and 8. Bastian? Uh, 13 raises. Uh, and Gutbrand? Uh, Gutbrand has seven and behaves as though he has eight. Kirill and Mateo, uh, you work as one. You are up first. Yeah, tactician, what do you advise? You seem to know this man. <laughs> I know he hates heights. <laughs> uh, Kirill spends three raises to grapple and uh, lifts Professor out of window, holding by neck. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna uh, dodge away from that. He he dodges just away from your fingertips. Your anchors have anchored you, <laughs> which is good and bad. Uh, sure, I will myself to take step and try to grab him again. Uh, this time for four raises. He will uh, once again evade your grasp. Uh, Bastian, it's your turn. What is the alchemist doing behind his desk? I say, as I jump on top of his desk. (laughs) She seems to be putting something together. It's uh, some sort of, like, wooden contraption. Uh, So in my jumping on top of his desk, I'm mostly using it as a a vault. Uh, As I do another salmon leap maneuver, um, I will not spend a race. I instead will spend a hero point to flawless execution, deal three wounds to her. I will follow that up with a flawless execution slash... As I land behind her, uh, I dig my dagger uh, into her, not quite mastering the technique that Mateo's father taught me, um, but uh, uh, still getting her as I land down using the, uh, the momentum from the fall, uh, and then uh, pull out the dagger as I slash her with my sword, um, and then I will spend another hero point. How many wounds is that? Oh, that, uh, that, is a to- that makes for a total of three, uh, seven wounds. Uh, and then I will spend um, another hero point for Adaptive Duelist. Then I will draw Champion, my Draken Eisen Sword, uh, dropping, my, uh, dropping my dagger into its sheath as I do, pulling out two swords, switching to the Liegstra style to follow that slash with a Liegstra Crash, using a hero point for Flawless Execution. Uh, and that deals four wounds. And she is still standing, yes? Yes. Uh, as I have just done a flurry of, of slashes and maneuvers to uh, push her against the, uh, 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 against the desk. Uh, I will follow the leaks or crash with another f- uh, slash 
as I uh, bring a champion across her chest uh, another time, spending a race to deal four more wounds. Uh, she's very bloody. What do you do now? It's still my turn. Uh, I will uh, I will bash her, spending a race to do so. So the next time she deals wounds, she deals four less wounds. Okay. Uh, what do you do now? Uh, I will follow that bash up with a slash, uh, dealing four more wounds to her. Uh, having uh, cross champion uh, down, I spin in a in a uh, windmill type fashion, draw, bringing the hilt of my uh, my normal sword. It's a good sword. It's just not dragonizing, uh, but it has more weight to it. As I hit her in the head to put her off balance, and I continue that spin as I bring champion down for another slash. The League's Trust Masters call this skin to win. <laughs> okay. I am now at 10 raises. Cool. Uh, you have the same amount of uh, raises as Kirill and Mateo. Yeah, I, I will, uh, uh, as I am spinning around another time, uh, looking like I'm going to bash her again, it is in fact a feint. Uh, and I, I finish spinning and break off to the side uh, as she is reeling from my flurry of attacks. I spend another race dealing one more wound. Uh, and uh, next time I hurt her, it will hurt more. Yes, Bastian, good spin to win. Well done. <laughs> I would like to spend uh, one raise just to um, to wave the leg that I have uh, the bracelet on. I think it's to uh, like let them know that I have that and I, it needs to come off. But for you, you guys know what it is, <laughs> and can maybe I'd like to create an opportunity for you to use that. So I, I'll I'll take a wound and create that opportunity. <laughs> you guys know I have. It looks like a sleeping potion. I think attached to my leg. Sure. Yeah. So you uh, sort of still laying on the ground in the overturned chair. You lift up your leg and sort of wave it. <laughs> Uh, yep. Kirill is looking away from you at the moment, so the only person who has the chance to see you do that is uh, Gudbrand. Kirill and Matteo and Bastian, you are at nine raises. Well, what do you say, Matteo? Five raises to lift him up? <laughs> we, we will do some damage, too. We'll, we'll lift him up and scrape him against the wall until we get to window. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so this man who is in academia robes uh, and the, uh, this is the first point at which you've seen him disheveled has been like just evading your grasp as he's been like stumbling backward knocking his like prized possessions over in a, in a weak attempt to uh, keep what he sees as like a monster from uh, manhandling him but uh, he bumps into a large uh, globe and uh, he puts his hand down to rest on it and he uh, loses his balance and, and falls over. And in doing so, gives you the opportunity to just grab him by the front and drag him along the wall, crashing into like artwork and like sconces and stuff until you bring him over to a window. Now scraped and a little bloodied and uh, push him out so only his ankles are uh, on the interior of the building. Oh, and it's my turn, yes? Uh, Bastian, it is your turn. I will spend, I will spend all but one of my raises uh, so that is, uh, one of these is being spent to improvise. Uh, the other remaining seven are being spent. As she moves uh, to try and respond to my faint, I raise up my foot 
and shove it into her chest, pushing her against this large desk. Uh, well, what's left of this large desk after Capitan Kiro threw it against the wall. Uh, and I put the Draken Eisen sword and my, uh, and my rapier uh, up to her throat. Uh, and I say, yield! She coughs up uh, quite a bit of blood. Mais oui, but of course. <laughs> <laughs> the alchemist is taken care of. I shout to the rest of the room. It is a good friend's turn. Good friend uh, stands in the same place he has been standing since he's been concreted to the ground and uh, looks over at Bastian, who has his blades against the nearest threat's throat. And uh, and then I see uh, Kirill holding the professor out of the window and he kind of uh, nonchalantly like breaks his feet out of the concrete and dusts off his boots. And uh, I say... Bastian, you've got this. And uh, walk over to uh, Matteo and uh, we'll get to the uh, bracelet w- that I have seen. And um... So this w- this is a, a masterwork made by Botisario. So uh, it takes three raises to pick. Sure. I'll, it's I'll... literally a contraption that she can make. Yeah, um, I'll spend, so I'll spend the three raises to pick the lock, but also knowing that there is uh, a sleeping potion, I'm trying to pick it and keep the vial intact, uh, so I'll spend three more raises to do that as well. Okay. So in order to do this, um, I, I examine the bracelet to make sure that's uh, the exact same as I have seen before, and uh, I go to the, um, to the uh, tool roll, and I find, uh, uh, like, the dental instruments, the very fine, uh, uh, wiry instruments, and I pick a couple of those out, and I use those to pick the lock. And once I hear it click, I very carefully open it up, uh, grab the vial before the cork can pop, and uh, and uh, remove that at the, at the same time as the bracelet releases. And now I have a vial of sleeping potion. It is now Jeanette's turn. While you're checking, um, to listening to make sure that um, that uh, Gutbrand is is uh, disabling the lock. Everything okay in there? Uh, going fine. Yes. Uh, she uh, takes a, a a bright like yellow potion out of the corner of your eye. I, you see her do this. I turn back, um, eyes wide. And then she uh, uh, pulls a, a second one out of her pack. Uh, she's going to spend two raises and uh, slam it uh, against your pant leg, crushing the thin vial against uh, your leg. Um, and it seeps through your trousers and uh, you start to feel woozy. And then all of a sudden, uh, everything goes black for you. It is uh, Mateo and Kirill's turn. Uh, one raise to improvise, changing to uh, intimidate. And then two raises to uh, talk a little bit with our professor friend. Just uh, now that we have your attention, um, some questions about this year in the artifacts, I think, uh, Matteo? Perhaps. <laughs> Tell me about Bornuli. What does he want? Why are you working for him? Isn't it o- uh, obvious? A little, but you're not a smart man, so explain to me your reasoning. Uh, you, you will let me live, yes? We will deliver you to the people of your town alive. That is the same as a death sentence. It's not exactly the same, and I lower my arm a little bit. <laughs> ah, ah, fine. He approached me, and he said uh, I could uh, have anything I wanted. A, a proper match for, his, for my daughter and a, 
a tenured place, a palace in Vodachi, anything I desired, as long as I found these artifacts and I brought him uh, whatever they produced. Does Amboise know? No, no. He knows very little about anything. I am sure that he has not put anything together. He is my loyal puppy dog as he is uh, trying to win the approval of uh, his proposed match with my daughter. Of course, there is uh, no way I would ever allow it, but it is a good servant who is eager. He, like, grabs uh, your arms with his hands trying to, like, Make sure he doesn't fall. You know what? Maybe we do keep him alive. Long enough to witness the wedding of his daughter to Amboise. <laughs> I can do it on my ship, you know. <laughs> ow! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I pull him back inside. Uh, tell him to tell Alchemist to stand down. <laughs> Jeanette! And there's no answer. And uh, Gutrand races to the door. Uh, and you see a very bloody pool next to your brother. Uh, but it is, it's like there's like separation. It's not his blood. I don't see it. It's, it's a bad angle. Bastion! Bastion, are you okay? Bastion, wake up! Oh, brother, brother, wake up! And when I get there, I realize that this, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I see that the pool is uh, not actually his blood. And uh, I uh, noticed the potion that is dripping from his leg. Yes. And I, I call back to the other room. She's gone. She's left. What did I say? I said alchemist first. I said that for a reason. Alchemist first. <laughs> it's okay. Is everyone all right? Is Bastian all right? He seems to be okay. He's uninjured as far as I can tell. He's breathing. Okay. Uh, one more question for you, Professor. The the pile of Sirnath artifacts that uh, Amboise sent to you, are they still in the same room? He narrows his eyes, but then looks over at Kirill and swallows whatever he was going to say uh, and says, Oui. Well, we'll have to return them to him. They were pearls before swine. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by John Wick Presents. 7C is a trademark of John Wick Presents. For more information, go to www.johnwickpresents.com.